Welcome to the Accepted Authority, where we help you solve a common growth challenge in consulting. As always, with me is Greg Roweth. G'day, Greg. G'day, Andy. Good to be here. Excellent to have you here and for you listening as well. Today, we're going to talk about something that is something on, on both of our minds sort of recently, and it's really about how do we stand out with really high competition in consulting we looked at some numbers recently. There's 90,000 firms in Australia alone that, that focus on management consulting and, and consulting-related services. That's just a massive number. You know, when we consider consulting is this fairly sort of niche space. In the UK alone, in 2021, more than 2 million firms entered the market. You know, think about that. There's, what, 40, 50 million in the UK potentially. <laughs> and there's 2 million firms, a lot of them small or solo operators who have entered the market. So, you know, you ally, ally that with the fact that it's really hard to get FaceTime with our ideal customers now. There's a, a preference to do their research and their, um, their understanding of what they need online, their problem solving. So it all creates a bit of a situation. We kind of go, well, how do we stand out? How do we cut through the noise? And ultimately, how are we going to be able to get in front of our ideal customers consistently enough so we can start to plan and actually be the leader that we all want to be in our in our firm? So I thought this for this episode, we could sort of talk more around our own experiences around how we stand out as part of a, you know, as niche consulting operators, you know, small, small firms. So I think maybe to start with Greg, do you want to sort of share a little bit about yeah, how do you, so what, first of all, what's your reaction to those figures? And secondly, mm. how has that sort of changed your thinking about how, you know, how do you stand out in front of, a, with a lot of competition? Mm, yeah, well, those figures are quite astounding, really. I hadn't realised that that's the situation, but it really does uh, emphasise, you know, how important it is to stand out from the crowd. And, um, you know, I think, a lot of consultants don't really stand out from the crowd. In fact, you know, even just this morning on my uh, mastermind call with the, my client group, um, a couple of people new in the program um, were talking about this challenge in itself. Um, you know, how do we stand out just getting started in, in the consulting business? Maybe there are a couple that are adding to that number that we talked about, but it's... Uh, yeah, the, the getting traction in the market you know, as a startup consultant when there's so much competition is a big factor, obviously. Um, but also, you know, if we've been established for a while, um, we've got all these new um, hungry um, consultants coming onto the market looking for work and potentially taking our clients. So um, there's there's a reality there with those numbers that maybe change the landscape a little bit in terms of how we approach marketing and how we stand out from the crowd. So I think that yes. um, is a really important aspect. Yeah, it, it certainly makes you consider that you can't just put your head in the sand and, and assume mm. and rely on the sort of old school way of thinking where we're going to go to our network, they're going to supply us with, with bountiful leads for the next three mm. to five years um, we, we can just treat our website like it's an online brochure. We don't have to do any, you know, social media. We can just get away with just sort of being there and not actually contributing. 
I think the, the time is changing and, and it's a sobering reality that if you're a, a one-person operation, if you're 10-person, if you're 30-person, the yeah. fact is that this the competition will continue to be increasing because with with uh, with the pandemic, we also saw a lot of people who decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to the country and, and do my own thing. And so if you take that from a consulting point of view, there's going to be more and more businesses of people that are working in, say, larger firms and they decide, you know what, I feel like I just prefer the lifestyle change where I'm going to start my own firm or I'm going to join maybe a smaller firm and together as a collective, we're a bit more nimble. We understand the digital space a bit more. And ultimately, you've been running your business for 20 years. But as you say, Greg, all these, I guess, younger or more nimble operators savvy they come in and they say you know we, we know the buyer journey right now and, and how to appeal to our ideal clients in this new digital world we're going to we're going to start eroding your market and and that's where things like reputation even though it's important it's you can't hang your head on it just because you've been in business for 20 years doesn't mean that customers are automatically going to go you know what i'm going to choose them because they've had mm. a track record it's it's more and more about do they say the right things when I research them, I don't know them from a bar of soap unless it's a recognized brand, but usually we assume that companies, uh, potential buyers don't know who we are. Maybe they've heard of us before, maybe they haven't. So it's really important to then consider what do they value and then ultimately how to, does that allow them to make that connection that we are that authority? So maybe if we, if we shift gears now, Greg, and we just talk about the power of being focused on one target market, we call it niching or, or being really clear. Because mm-hmm. to me, that's that's the first thing that we can do is, as consulting firms, we can actually uh, really appeal and, and tailor to one particular target market, which allows that sense of that we are the authority. And that's how we start to stand out. Is that, mm-hmm. yeah, is that your experience? And maybe if you could talk about how you've done it with Business Flight mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, it's very true and i think the potential and and you know i was thinking not only has the pandemic changed the landscape for us in terms of um you know the local market being more impacted and having more competition but we're now in a global market because we're now online (laughs) you know we don't have to go to the client's office anymore you know depending on which area you're in or which niche you're in but um you know, for a lot of us as consultants now, we do our work online. And that means we're not in a local market, we're now in a global market. And uh, you know, so our competition is now not just a few consultants that are in the same city as, as we are, but the consultants all around the world who are now marketing into our locality or, and our, our clients who are now looking worldwide for someone to solve their problem. Yes. So it, it really intensifies that challenge. And I think, you know, we, the, the importance of niching is really critical in this aspect because we can't be all things to all people. You know, if that's what we're trying to do, offer our services to as many people as possible because we don't want to limit our chances, we end up being that small fish in the huge lake, you know. But when we identify an ideal target market for us and niche down into that target market, we can become that big fish in the small Mm -hmm. pond. And, um, you know, so when they are looking for help, it's us that they find, you know, we can dominate that market 
um, whereas we've got no hope um, trying to be all things to to everyone. So yes. you know, the point is really identifying who, well, not, you know, and maybe niching in a different way from what most people recommend, which is typically around an industry or a profession that we're going to specialise in. But I think more and more beneficial for us is if we are specialised in solving a specific problem, then it's not so much about what industry or profession, but what situation is our client in? What's the yes. challenge that they're facing that is biggest to them? That could be across a you know, range of different industries or professions or um, yes. personal situations. So um, when we can focus and highlight on those things and proactively um, market around that issue and challenge, then we're going to stand out because no one else is doing it. Yes. And that's a really good point, Greg. I think something that's that I've learned a lot, uh, not over only the course through our conversations here, but just generally about how I market myself, my firm, and our my clients is that we need to get focused on talking about solving problems because that's why clients come to us. The clients don't want a consulting firm; they want someone who can take their problem away. They don't want a marketing firm. <laughs> They want to generate consistent leads. So mm. I think that you're you bang on there. Thinking about how we market ourselves in the sense that we are solving problems and the product or the service is definitely secondary. So when we talk about what we do on LinkedIn, when we talk about what we do on our website, when we talk about what we do uh, in a webinar, it's really a case of, People don't care about the product. They just, if, if you can be the person that just is obsessively focused on solving the one, two or three main problems that a particular type of client has, then that's where you're going to be able to sort of stand out. And as an example, you know, I think about my journey when I started Concurve, it was really around uh, copywriting. That was the, because that's what I retrained in when I, before I was a, a writer and recruiter and I thought copywriting that sounds a bit like me but as I as I sort of evolved uh, I, I felt like well maybe the key is to be a more general marketing services company you come to me guess what I've got all these people who can do it you can do all these different things and branding and graphics and we can do you know this over here and uh, and it ended up just being who I attracted was just licorice all sorts it was different sort of organization it was and it became a bit of a challenge so I thought that once once you know once I decided to refocus and just think about one particular client and then what are the three or five or the, the key problems that they have over and over, over over and over time I'm standing out against you know more of like larger firms who who call themselves you know big marketing agencies or digital marketing companies uh, I found that companies are coming to me who say, you know what, we, we, we've chosen you over a firm of 20 or 30 because you just focus on consulting firms and helping them grow. And you, the three things that you, that you look at, at solving, that's exactly what we need right now. So quite often if you articulate or you prescribe the problem, then you're credited with the solution. That's a, that's a saying that I, I love. And, I think mm -hmm. that it's also your experience too, Greg, right? Like you, you could 
be very broad. Um, and you've had mm. a play at different sort of areas. You know, I think you mm. used to be sort of accounting firms and then, but, and now you've really sort of focused your niche. And this is a conversation that happens to you too. Um, you've, you've told us a few times on this podcast, but people come to you because they, they say, you know what, you, you, you talk as if you're speaking directly to me <laughs> in my situation. Yeah. That's that, absolutely right. And yeah, well, going back to when I started in consulting, you know, when every client's a good client and uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't uh, as educated as I am now. Um, yeah, it was about the services I, I offer. You know, we're in business consulting. So, you know, we did business planning. We did business systemization, mm-hmm. um, automation, you know, digital transformations to some extent. Um and that's what everyone else offered. But, you know, we were that small fish in a big, big lake in that situation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was very difficult to get traction. Mm-hmm. Typically, in that situation, you're always competing against someone else. And, you know, when you're invited to come in and, and present a proposal, it's up against three or four others. So it's always, well, you better be sharpening your pencil mm-hmm. um, because... <laughs> You know, there's a couple of others here we're talking to as well, uh, which is a horrible situation to be in as a consultant. Um, so, yeah, I realised that uh, after a while, there were certain types of clients I really enjoyed working with and things were very easy in the, the relationship and the results flowed from that. Other types of clients were really difficult to work with and results weren't happening and you know more often than not I was the one who put a stop to the relationship because I was yeah I wasn't just there for the money um yeah so you know doing that was starting to choose who I wanted to work with and who I didn't want to work with and when I looked at the ones I did want to work with they seemed to have a similar profile so it was a fairly easy um, decision in the end to so well, if I'm going to be looking for clients, why don't I look for people who look like my best clients yes. instead of just saying, here's what we do for everyone. Yes. And um, yeah, so really evolved from that practical, you know, on the ground uh, challenge for me in just deciding that not every client was a good client. So who are the good ones and how do I get more like that? So true, Greg, and, and a similar story for me. I went through an exercise at the start of this year and sort of went, let's pick three potential types of clients that I can work with. And we landed at one particular, you know, spot, which was the consulting firm who was uh, anywhere from sort of 10 to 50 staff and certain revenue size and um, and why that was a good fit. And then I looked at the sort of companies that I'd really enjoyed working with and and there was that exactly that similarity. And even if I go back to my days in consulting, I worked for a firm that was, uh, well, I worked for a company called SMS. I think they're called ASG now. They're a, uh, they're, they're, I think they're considered more of a mid mid to large, not not a big four, but they, they're certainly, mm-hmm. they were certainly knocking on the door. So mm-hmm. probably a thousand plus, you know, uh, quite a big firm. And I remember the dynamic when I was um, recruiting for them and, uh, and and thinking about how do we attract good people at that stage. And it was a completely different story when then you I went to a much smaller firm. I think there were 50 yep. people in that firm. 
And mm. again, I was doing the same thing. And I think the conversations were quite different. It was really around now the, this firm is up against the likes of this really big firm. You know, mm -hmm. how do we differentiate ourselves? And it, it, it really came down to, I think for them, it was about the specialization. They had yeah. five practice managers or practice leads. And those people were so central about saying, look, you know what, we know this, we're, we're specialists in the, um, in the, uh, the utility space. So we're specialists mm -hmm. uh, in the government space. And to me, that was where I sort of saw that evolution about you can be big, but if you're small, you can actually find mm -hmm. a way. And so that niching effect has then now flowed mm -hmm. onto what I do now. And then what I, I tell my clients too, um, yes, you can serve five, organizations of five types of clients but what if we just focus on this one and and what difference would that make if you could get more of those so i think it's a yeah. great point that you make greg and it's a really when you're thinking about this competition competition idea um uh yes there's a there can be a bit of a a, a fear if you like but there's some mm -hmm. simple things that we, we we can do to to really stand out and start standing out right now yeah that's right another aspect in that specialization and focus, you know, particularly with who we compete against. And often, you know, big four is a concern or, you know, the larger firms are a concern for smaller consulting firms. But um, you know, I've got a couple of clients now who, because of their focus specialization, are being invited by the bigger firms to partner with them on, on projects where Fantastic. they don't have the expertise or the specialised expertise that the, you know, my client has. Um, so rather than being in competition, they're now in cooperation with those um, bigger firms and, and get more opportunities as a result of that. So, you know, Amazing. another aspect to consider in that specialisation, you not only become... Um, you know, ideal candidates for your clients, but you're also ideal partners for your potential competitors if uh, you go about it the right way. What a great story. And and you can kind of see that now, can't you, with the, I guess, the fragmentation of the workforce. There's more and more people who just say, look, I just want to be this technical mm -hmm. specialty. And uh, that grows. And that's how a lot of consulting firms start off, of course. And as you say, you know, you read about the acquisitions or the mergers or, you know, buying mm. this business. And it's, it's pretty simple because there was a need. They, they decided to solve a problem as a specialty and, and you know, mm. being able to play off that specialty and not trying to be all things to all people, which is something that, the, yeah, the, the bigger firms, uh, I mean, that's just how they've, they've decided to, you know, start here. They all started at one spot and they've just added on. So yep. nowadays, especially with things like intentional search, you know, we're searching for certain organizations or specialties, um, it, it actually does really pay to just being really focused in your specializations. That's a great story, Greg, and a credit to you. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're sort of coming to the end of our, our podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to add that we might have missed around? How do we stand out in, from the increasing competition, Greg? Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's an important point. You know, the how, do, how do we stand out? Um, some obvious things, which, you know, some of those are pretty challenging, but, you know, behind me, you know, if, if you're on the podcast, you won't be able to see it. Um, but, you know, there's a whole bunch of books that I've read, which are all business-related books. You know, people who've written those books are obvious experts in their field, um, and that's a brilliant way to stand out. You know, I've got a couple of books myself, 
that have elevated my authority in the position. But I would have to say the first thing you do is not write a book. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's a big task and, and it's, uh, you know, it cannot actually slow down your progress. But it's really what's important is what's the message? If you were going to write a book, what's the message you would want to write that book about? That has to be the key message in all of your marketing activities and, and everything you talk about is really focused around that key message that one day you might write the book about but until then you know what are your linkedin posts about what are your yes. um your youtube videos about what are you know what are the ebooks you write what are the articles you, in magazines you write about you have that core focus and a core message that you become known for and if you can do that, you start to stand out as more and more people see those core message um, articles or videos that you're creating on a regular basis. I love that, Greg. There's a, a, an old saying that also I like, you know, when you're doing a presentation, you, you, you keep the, presenta- the same presentation, you just change the audience. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the same process exactly. If You don't have to think about changing what you say, you know, every week, it's just you have the core idea and then there's different ways to tell. Like, for example, with this podcast series, you know, our focus is all around how do you how do you grow in consulting? How do you stand out from the crowd? But it's just and we've just covered off different topics to be able to share how we, you know, how we go about doing that. So thank you for what a great conversation it's been. So thank you for listening. And Greg, thank you as always. Uh, where can we find you online? Yeah, well, on LinkedIn, uh, just search for Greg Roworth and uh, on my website at businessflightpath.com. Awesome. You can find me at Andy Marmont on LinkedIn or it's concurve.com.au is our website. Thank you again for your time and we'll see you next time on The Accepted Authority.